0: just the type of content that you're going to be putting out on social media. You do not need to give away all of the answers to show that you understand what you're doing. Instead, I like to think about it as spotlighting the fact that there is a gap between what you know and your experience and what prospective clients know and what they need. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not your job to fill that in for free on social media. That's what you get paid for. Um, It's your job to show that You understand their problems you have solutions Um, you can talk about solutions in broad context but you actually need to be signed up as a client or as a as a provider to actually solve the problems for the client
1: welcome to social post a podcast brought to you by meet edgar Each week, we bring you a guest to inspire your creativity, breathe new life into your marketing strategy, and get you motivated to take action in your business. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned entrepreneur, you'll walk away feeling like you took your social media marketing multivitamin. Enjoy the interview and remember, what's possible for them is possible for you, and we can't wait to see your success. Today's episode is brought to you by Meet Edgar, the evergreen social media automation tool that refills itself. Josh is going to talk to you a lot about some great copywriting tips that you can put into action to really up-level the amount of people who are going to enjoy reading about your business. If you are someone who loves to have systems and you want to take these copy tips and put them right into a scheduling tool that'll send it out strategically on social media, head on over to meetEdgar.com to sign up for your seven-day free trial, enter the the code social post upon checkout to get a free month after that. And now let's hear it from Josh. Welcome back to social Post, a podcast brought to you by the social media automation tool. Meet Edgar. Today, we are going to dive deep into copy. Now you all know if you need to get your message out there online, copy is the way to do it. And we have an expert, Josh Garfalo, who has come to talk to us All about the subject. Now, he's the founder of Sway Copy and he's worked with a lot of different SaaS companies, many that you know, like HubSpot, Wave, Hopjar, and Aweber. And he's really helped to have them convert their followers and convert people through copy in a really awesome way. So I'm going to pass it over to Josh to introduce himself a little bit further and then we'll dive into some questions. So, Josh, go right ahead.
0: Yeah, so you did a pretty good job there already. I guess the only thing I would add is, uh... Specifically, I'm typically working with, you know, the venture backed companies or the successful self funded companies. And in terms of what I do, it's uh, customer research positioning and then actually writing copy for, you know, those core assets that need to sell, which I think we're going to talk about today. So key website pages, landing pages, and of course, emails.
1: Awesome. So I'd love just to start out with your story on why you think copy is so important for especially SaaS companies to pay attention to. What is it about some copy that really grabs people in and positions the company that people really want to dive deeper into that subject area versus some that might just have people leave a page really quickly when they come upon it?
0: For sure. So I would say the biggest opportunity for SaaS companies, especially, and I mean, this is probably an opportunity across all the markets you serve is the vast majority of people. And in this case, I'll talk about SaaS companies are just copying the incumbents, the leaders in the space. Mm -hmm. And so they're not saying anything new. They're not actually resonating with their buyers. They're not, they're not taking a stand standing for some things and, um, not standing for others, creating that polarization, which always, um, you know, causes discussions to erupt whether good or bad. Um, so that would be the main thing right there is just have the guts and the courage to actually position yourself intentionally, make it clear that you are 100% right for some people, a very small amount of people and terrible for everybody else. And be proud of that and don't waver. Um, and, and don't look so closely at what the competition is doing because you're just going to be late to that party rather than starting your own.
1: I love that so much. This idea of having an opinion is so hard online because you want to like please everyone and not scare anyone away. Right. But that sometimes it's hurting you so much. So that's a really great thing to keep in mind. And, now, and when sorry, it, I was just, oh, sorry oh, go yeah, ahead, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say it doesn't need to be um, you know, a hot topic of the of the day either. Taking a stand can be as simple as uh I was looking at the Meet Edgar website today. And you're very specific about the fact that you are for small business by small business. That in itself is a stand. As long as you don't waver from that, that differentiates you from everyone else who's chasing, you know, upmarket customers, big enterprise customers with seven figure yearly deals. So that, that right there is, is a good example of taking a stand and it doesn't have to be scary.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. When you hear polarization, it doesn't have to be like political or something. When we hear that word, we automatically go there, but that is a really good point. Um, So kind of speaking about this idea of bringing people into a product like me, Edgar, we love making sure people are seeing the inside of it because that is something that we're really proud of, the design of it and stuff. So we like to offer a lot of demos. And I know that you have a lot of experience writing copy to actually help convert people into getting that demo and into actually seeing the inside of products. Can you talk to me a little bit selfishly here about what tips you have to actually convince people that they should sign up for a demo if you are a SaaS product?
0: Definitely. So I think a major opportunity or two opportunities that I see a lot of companies not capitalizing on is first of all, teasing at the product a little bit more. Um, So many companies, especially in, in my space and SaaS, they have gravitated towards these like abstract drawings that have nothing to do with the product. Mm. And, and so they're not really getting a good idea of what might be on the other side of opting into that demo. So just showing, you know, screenshots, um, some gifs, short videos that, uh, won't replace the demo, but will at least, um, you know, be bite-sized enough that someone who isn't fully engaged will watch it all the way through and be like, okay, maybe I, I should get a demo here. And I mean, speaking of videos, making sure that, uh. You're not just using like a free YouTube, uh, plugin for your video where they watch the video and then all of a sudden they're asked to, you know, watch some fitness videos, <clears throat> some chess videos afterwards, but actually having a call to action where it's like, okay, you know, sign up for a demo and see the, the full thing. Um, so that would be one opportunity. And then the other one would be on your actual demo landing page, um, hint at some of the topics that you're likely to cover through that demo. You're not just going to sit there. I mean, if you're doing a good demo, you're not just going to sit there, take them through the product from a to Z without asking questions, learning about the business, relating the product to their actual challenges. So just hint at some of that. And, um, I guess the third option would be if you watch recorded sessions of website video visitors before they actually, um, opt into the demo, you'll see that a lot of people, they don't read through your entire website before they click through that, click through that, to that demo page. So make sure you have at least a short summary on that page that talks a little bit about what the product is for those people who click through too quickly. And so you're not asking them to click back, learn more, and then click back to the demo page again. And, uh, I guess demonstrate some authority on that page if you can as well, whether that's a testimonial, Um, some logos, um, just something to show that the person who is on that demo page, who is thinking about opting in, they would be making a decision that a lot of smart people have already made before them. They're not doing something brave or new or risky. It's, It's the common thing to do is to land on this page and opt in and have a great experience.
1: Oh, I love that. Just making it feel like everyone else is doing it. You're part of this group. That's such Mm -hmm. a smart way to use those testimonials and other places besides like just social media. So that's a really great tip. Now, a lot of the time, if we don't have a product, but we're trying to build an audience online before we launch perhaps like a SaaS product or a physical product, we're trying to position ourselves as an authority in that specific niche. Do you have any tips for people maybe just starting out on how they can really get their copy to position themselves as that expert and see themselves, um, as someone that, uh, someone would want to actually listen to and trust so that when they have something to sell, people know that they're the person they want to buy from.
0: Yeah. So I think this goes back a little bit to what we spoke about at the beginning of this, and that is to actually have the courage to stand for something. So mm-hmm. if you look at whether it's a webpage, a social media profile, Um, you'll see people might start out with this idea that I am this someone, but then they're like, oh crap, if I say I'm that, then so many people aren't going to want to do business with me. So I'm also this, this, and this other thing. And if you want me to be, I'll also be, you know, this fourth thing as well. And as soon as you do that, you're lost. Um, so, so really have the courage to stand for that one thing. And the way I like to think about it is, um, you know, what is the one topic or, challenge that I want to be top of mind for. And Mm. I've can honestly say I've built my entire business just based on this idea. It's that if someone has ever met me or, um, exchanged, you know, tweets with me, whatever it might be, if someone comes along looking for a SaaS copywriter or someone who's going to do some of that customer research that leads to copy, I'm top of mind for a whole lot of people. And so most of my business these days is, um, you know, referral based just, be, just because I stand for something. And then once you've nailed that down, um, this is something where, you know, there might be some pushback because I know a lot of people are really into sharing, you know, their entire life story on their, on their social media. And there are smart ways to do that. I think Laura Belgrade spoke about that on your podcast. She's, she's especially smart at that. I'm not as good as her at this, but <laughs> if you don't want to share your entire life story, this can actually work for you because. Um, I think it's better to stick to a few core topics, um, for the most part, you can sprinkle in some other stuff, but stick to a few core topics so that as as soon as someone sees your name show up in their feed, they have at least an inkling of what you're probably going to talk about. And it's that repetition, um, different angles building on it over years and years and years that, you know, you, you become this authority figure that stands for something and you're top of mind for a whole lot of people for something specific.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you just said that. I completely agree. We get so nervous about repeating ourselves, but that's the only way to stay top of mind and be known as that expert. Exactly. So that's a really good permission to the listeners today that repeating yourself and having that message out there is the way to go. Now, if we are not sure if our message is hitting, or if we're not sure when something is working, oftentimes our advice that we hear online is to change one thing, whether it's your offer, whether it's the creative or whether it's the copy. Do you have any advice for people who are just getting started and kind of developing their message when to think about like a different call to action or when your copy is working versus not working um and when to decide to change that copy bit of a campaign
0: yeah so um i guess the funny thing that happens is when you're just starting out you're probably not going to have the amount of attention or the traffic that you need to actually you know statistically test whether a change is leading to a better result. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of limiting, but at the same time, it's also kind of freeing because, um, the other thing to think about is that when you're new and you're just starting out, not a whole lot of people care about you yet. They're not watching your every move. And so you should feel free to just do something that seems kind of silly and see if it hits and whether it hits is going to be somewhat anecdotal, but, um, yeah, I mean, don't don't restrain yourselves in those early days. I would say, you know, six years into this, I'm still in my early days. Where if I'm honest with myself, people don't care about me and see me as much as I wish they would. And so I also feel free to try something new um, and see whether it hits. And again, it's 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 going to be anecdotal for me. It's going to be like, okay, you know, a typical post gets five retweets. This one got 100. Like there's something about this that's special that I should be able to replicate over and over again. Let's, let's dig into that. So um, yeah, I I would say if you're early, don't be so formulaic about making changes, just keep throwing new stuff out there and, and, and see what sticks, try to figure out what's actually sticking. Um, Like what, what about those, those messages or those tweets are are especially resonating and, and just dig in and, and keep repeating that.
1: Yeah, that's great and simple advice. Thanks for sharing that. I would really love to hear your opinion on length as well, because so often we hear, you know, you have like six seconds to capture someone's attention when they land on your page. Um, (laughs) Where the heck do we put things on like our landing pages or in our emails? Um, What are you finding is working well these days online for the length of your copy and where to actually put like information within the the paragraphs that you might be writing? Um, Any advice on sort of that structure? that you can offer us today.
0: Yeah. So this is only a 30 minute podcast and you just hit (laughs) on a topic that will cause every copywriter to go on forever. But I guess, I guess the short of it is, um, people have a short attention span for things that are boring or things that do not resonate with them at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, so from what I've seen, no matter how short your copy is, the majority of people are not going to read it from top to bottom. But if your copy is longer, the the customer who's actually perfect for your product, they will actually read it and they will buy. So I guess another way of thinking about that is that buyers read long copy. Um, And at the end of the day, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for a vanity metric on Hotjar that says 75% of people got to the bottom of the page. We're looking to make sure that anybody who comes to the page who's destined to be a customer sees everything they need to see in order to feel comfortable about taking the next step. And that's going to scare away people who are not ready to think about your product or your service quite yet, because they're going to see too much copy, too much information, and it's just too soon. But again, like cater to the buyer cater to the sign up, and they will read the copy. Now that doesn't mean that you have to just go on and on at length for your copy. It doesn't mean, okay, you know, my, my landing page has to be 5,000 words. Now longer is better. It's. It's finding that balance of what needs to be said and saying it. And if that's a lot of copy, so be it. And uh if we have a minute, I can tell you a little bit about how you might determine whether the copy should be longer or shorter.
1: Yeah, I don't, go I don't want it. to take you off to topic. Hear.
0: So really it comes down to stage of awareness and the sophistication of that market that you're serving. So an example would be um Let's see in, in SAS, if I'm selling just another email marketing tool, so this is like the 1000th email marketing tool in the space, everybody's already using one. They understand what these tools do for the most part. I probably don't need long copy. The, the market is quite saturated, sophisticated. The buyer knows what they're getting into. Um, and that's especially the case if the offer is. Uh, Something extreme, like you can use this email tool for free forever. So it's, it's something the buyer knows a lot about and the offer, there's no friction. It's just sign up for free and use it for free forever. So that would not require a lot of copy on the flip side. If we are, um, creating some cutting edge artificial intelligence tool in a market that people, you know, aren't even thinking about yet. Um, that's going to require a lot of copy because the market is not sophisticated. I have to take them from not even knowing that they have this problem to understanding that they have this problem. Mm. There's a solution for the problem. You should believe that this is actually going to solve it. And it's in your best interest to take this step. That requires a lot more words to take them from where they started to where I need them to be. So that would be a good way to think about how much copy you actually need.
1: Yeah, that's really great advice. And I love how everything keeps going back to like, always think about the person that you're speaking to. Always think about that one person and stop trying to please everyone. And you've worked with a lot of different SaaS companies who obviously Mm -hmm. have a little bit of a different uh, sort of niche and a persona that they're speaking to. When you actually start working with these companies, do you have any tips for how you kind of determine what their niche is, what their brand voice is? Um, If there's any like consultants or freelancers who are doing copywriting listening to this now, um, any tips for how you actually get that persona and brand voice um, for your own copy that you help them with?
0: Definitely. So I spend a lot of time talking to customers. Um, mm. And you would think this is old news and that when you step into a company, they would already have you know a, a folder with hundreds of, of customer calls, but most companies don't. Um, they speak to customers very sporadically. They feel like they're bothering customers when they speak to them. So they'll send them like one question surveys, or they'll hop on a call once in a while um, when they're going to launch this one page, but they don't actually keep that conversation with their customers going. So I spend a lot of time um, digging in with customers. And just if, if I had to sum up what that typical call is like, it's It's learning a little bit more about what life was like, you know, before they started using my, my client's product. Um, So what were some of the challenges they were were having? What products were they using to solve those problems where they fall short? Then it's um, asking questions to get at what that whole evaluation process was like, which competitors were you looking at? And clients will often be surprised that it's not the competitor that is most like them, that that they're prospects are looking at, it's alternative ways of solving the problem. And so they're um, wasting their breath trying to be just like their competitors and, and trying to like eke out against their competitors because that's not really who they're fighting. So it's understanding that whole evaluation process, what caused them to hesitate about signing up that we might be able to fix. Um, and then after they sign up, what have they been able to accomplish? What's better if they were to contrast, um, their life now versus before they were using my client's product, you know, what would they have to say about that? And from this, you get a ton of qualitative data that is, um, extremely annoying to work through, but (laughs) it's, it's in that qualitative data at length, these lengthy open-ended questions that you will start to see themes arise. And a lot of the language that I use is not me, you know, summarizing what my customers are saying in a nice little pretty sound bit. It's, it's taking their language, which is sometimes kind of colorful and using that as a brand voice. And again, like I, like I said, this is top of mind. I'm not being paid to say this, but I looked at meet Edgar today and I would be surprised if speaking to customers, wasn't part of your uh, part of your process, because it did not sound like something, a marketer. Would come up with in a, in a conference room. It sounded like something that would come out of conversations. Um, so is that, is that a good assumption? Do you guys speak to customers?
1: Yeah. So we yeah. <laughs> have uh, people from a lot of different teams work in our customer support box and do like calls mm-hmm. and stuff. So that voice is kind of disseminated across the product and across all the marketing site. Um, yeah. And exactly what you said, we try to always reflect the language that we hear back onto the marketing site. Cause people like that reassurance of saying like, yes, that is exactly what I hear. So that's a good catch for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I could tell right away that you definitely did that. And you can tell when companies don't um they're they're scared to not have that polished marketing copy um, because because customers are never going to generate that kind of copy for you Um, so yeah it's digging deep in interviews it's uh surveys when you can't get on all those interviews it's the chat box like you said um i love digging into customer support and customer success conversations and seeing what what's being said there and yeah it's it's not glamorous work but it's it's uh it's necessary it's the only way really to create that unique voice
1: yeah, I love that advice a lot. And it's almost it's not glamorous, like you said, but it's almost the simplest way to get the best copy. Like you don't have to use a lot of brain power to find the perfect vocabulary. They're already giving it to you. So that's exactly. really excellent.
0: Exactly. And the worst projects are when I don't have access to that. Um yeah. because that's when you're like sitting there and you're trying to be Don Draper, you know, coming up with <laughs> creative ideas in your office and you realize like, wow, I'm actually not that creative. I'm just really good at listening and getting that onto the page. So Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cheat code for sure.
1: Nice. So one of the popular things that I hear a lot online these days is you need to st- tell stories in order to sell products. And it's this sort of like story selling sort of buzzword and really fun um, language that we're hearing. If someone is just getting started in the idea of like telling a story in order to market your business, do you have any sort of advice for how you can um, sort of get this framework properly done uh, in order to promote your business through stories?
0: Yeah. I mean, personally for my business, I don't do a lot of storytelling. Maybe I'll do some more at some point. I have worked in stories once in a while, um, for clients, it's usually just, again, finding that thing that they stand for and then digging into it. So, you know, the why behind they stand for that thing. So an example, because I know people will be like, you know, my niche is boring. I can't possibly tell a story. (laughs) So a recent example would be, um, telling the story of a SaaS company in the enterprise tech documentation space. So that is not exciting. You'd think there'd be no story that could be told, but we did, we, we found the story their, their whole thing is that they are the first enterprise cloud um, technical documentation service. And there's a whole story behind the consultants that started this company and why they went in this direction and why it's the future. And it's, going to still be boring to 99% of the people out there, but to their ideal customer, it's an exciting story that uh, shows that their market is going to be actually shifting. There's going to be a paradigm shift finally. So um, yeah. And then if, when we're talking about, you know, an individual telling a story, I guess, the one thing that I will say is that if there's one mistake, almost everybody makes when they try to tell a story is that they have way too much preamble at the beginning mm. and then the story's in the middle and you've already lost everybody by then. So start, Just like start at the pivotal moment and and work from there. And that's going to, you know, take you miles uh, further than trying to come up with some perfect little framework, just fix that one thing about your story. And you'll find that you'll at least get more people reading it because you're not going to lose them with this boring introduction.
1: Yeah, great advice there. So to kind of wrap up this half hour, I'd love to end here with just some of your favorite tools that you use in your business or when you're writing copy or any like writing processes or any hacks that you found really make you productive or really make you more successful. Um, And if you can share anything that are like a non-negotiable tool that you feel like you use every day, whether it's for your writing or just for a tech business in general.
0: Sure. Yeah. So I still get a lot done with uh, G suite. I know that's a boring (laughs) answer, but I'm I'm living in G suite. Um, and then in terms of a non-negotiable, like Calendly, um, I could not, I don't think I could go without Calendly for if you're in the, in the consulting business at all, or a freelancer, um, switching to a calendar app, whether it's Calendly or something else, you're going to land so many more, um, calls with people when you don't have that back and forth, where you're going to lose people. Um, in terms of writing and note taking, I use Bear app quite a bit. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that. And then okay. uh, things three I use for like my to do list, my project organization. Um, in terms of writing apps, you know, I don't have a big repertoire. I'm Google apps. Oh, I guess the other one, balsamics. So if you are a copywriter listening to this and you do not put your copy into wireframes, um, you are missing out. It's a, for one, it's... it, it Greatly increases your chances that a design team isn't going to look at your Google Doc with dense paragraphs and completely mess up the vision that you have in your head so you can at least communicate your vision. Um, And two, it will separate you from so many other copywriters out there that just hand over this Google Doc that's marked up. Uh, It'll make you look a lot more professional. And uh, it's a great value add. You'll be able to charge more money. It's highly recommended. So those would be the main tools that stand out for me.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have to check into Balsamic. That sounds like it would be so helpful just to visually see how things are laid out yeah. before you send it over. I love that idea.
0: And it's very simple. That's the other okay. nice thing. So you do not need to go through a, a course to figure out how to use Balsamic like you would some other wireframing apps. So it's great for copywriters.
1: Nice. Very cool. Well, this has been a really fun conversation and I would love for you just to tell us anything else that you think I should have asked you today. Any other advice for our community and then let people know where they can find Swave Copy and yourself online.
0: Something that I wish you would have asked me. I like when people ask this question, but it's never been asked to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I I guess one thing that we didn't speak about that would be interesting for some listeners, especially if you're in the consulting or freelancer space is just the type of content that you're going to be putting out on social media. You do not need to give away all of the answers to show that you understand what you're doing. Instead, I like to think about it as spotlighting the fact that there is a gap between what you know and your experience and what prospective clients know and what they need. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not your job to fill that in for free on social media. That's what you get paid for. Um, It's your job to show that you understand their problems, you have solutions, um, you can talk about solutions in broad context, but you actually need to be signed up as a client or as a as a provider to actually solve the problems for the client. And I think that's a mistake some people make is they're giving it all away for free and I don't think it's necessary. And It's not always helpful because the truth is, um, you know, there are ways to solve problems, but you need to know the specifics to, to apply it to a client. And so you're not doing clients any favors if you trick them into thinking that you're actually giving them the answer to their problems just by posting something on social media. So that's something that I see that I've seen a lot over the years. And, uh, I would just, I would just ask people to think differently about that, create that curiosity gap, uh, between what you know and what they need. Um, yeah. So in terms of where to find me, we spoke a little bit about, uh, positioning today. So I do have a free email course on that. It's, uh, there's not even a sell at the end. I literally just put it together because I got tired of answering the same questions <laughs> over and over again. So it's like 9,000 words on choosing a niche. So you can find that at swaycopy.com slash freelance dash as dash, dash business. Um, and that's also my website, swaycopy.com and I'm at swaycopy on Twitter.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll put those links in the show notes. Thank you sure. so much again today for your knowledge about really up-leveling our copy. Guys, if you have any feedback at all, please tag us on social. We are at me, Edgar, and subscribe for a new marketing expert every Wednesday. Josh, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in and be sure to keep the conversation going with us on social. We're at meet Edgar on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So let us know your biggest takeaway from today's episode. And don't forget to tag us. Visit www.meetedgar.com and start a free trial to uplevel your social media marketing strategy today. Happy posting.